up, you beautiful bastards? Hope you're having a fantastic Friday. Welcome back to The Philip DeFranco Show. And if you're new here on Fridays, I do things a little bit different. On Fridays, I try to cover more viewer requested stories from the week. And with that said, let's just jump into it. And actually, the first thing I want to talk about today in involves these videos. To the people that have been messaging me, yes, I know that some of the videos this week haven't been popping up on your homepage and the, the recommended on the sidebar. We looked into the behind the scene analytics for these videos here on YouTube and it appears to be a big issue. In general, on a video, about 13 to 16% of the views come from recommended being on the homepage or in the sidebar. Looking at the analytics on things like yesterday's video, that was at 1.6%. So the educated guess you can make with that number is that initially they did pop up, but then the video was suppressed. And looking at how this has happened with several videos, it looks like it happens with certain kinds of content. Yesterday, I think it was connected to the showing of the video in the bully story. And today, because of the content, we're most likely gonna get hit again. But I only mention this for the about a 14% of people that have been using the homepage or recommended as a way to find out when I post new videos. If you wanna make sure you don't miss videos, you can follow me on Twitter. Or just a good easy way is every normal weekday, just bookmark and or go to youtube.com slash Philip DeFranco. We have a new video at least every weekday, which actually also an update starting next week until we go to Christmas break. In addition to the daily weekday Philip DeFranco show on Tuesday and Thursday, we'll be posting morning videos. But yeah, that's just community slash update news. And also don't worry, I'm not gonna stop talking about certain stories. The, the views matter to a point, but I'm not going to not talk about something. And with that being said, let's talk about some business slash marketing news involving Payless shoes. They were in the news this week for possibly my favorite light kind of story. And Payless for me was always one of those stores, I had always seen it, like it was always in the parking lot of the grocery store that I was going to go to, but I don't know if I ever shopped there. Also, I'm aware of saying that, people are gonna be like, oh, you're better than that? No, I was, uh, growing up, I was a Walmart kid. And I mean that in both, uh, it was the only place I could really afford clothes, and also it was the only thing around town that was open 24 seven, so sometimes we would just go there to walk around but main point, if you don't know Payless Shoes, they have just really affordable shoes, right? You're talking like $20. And here's the thing, whether we're talking about the news or with shoes, perception is reality. There are a lot of people in the world that look to Payless Shoes, look at a $20 pair of shoes and they go, oh, that's not affordable, that's cheap. And so Payless decided to have some fun with perception. And for a marketing experiment, they took over a former Armani store and they had a grand opening for a brand they just made up called Pelesi. And they invited who they said were influencers. And the big thing here to keep in mind is Palessi, it, it was just pay less shoes. Right, you had things like $20 pumps and $40 boots. But based off of perception, we saw this happen. They're elegant, sophisticated. I just think it's so classy. And I could tell it was made with high quality material. I would pay 400, 500, yeah. People are gonna be like, oh, where'd you get those? Those are amazing. These are actually from Payless. Shut up. These are actually from Payless. You've got to be kidding me. I love that last woman's reaction because she's like, I can't believe I touched this trash. And according to the report, they ended up selling $3,000 in shoes, although after the reveals, they said they refunded the money. But I think it really hits on a note that is incredibly true. It is all about marketing and perception. It doesn't matter if something is special or actually high quality, it just matters that people think it is. And what's really funny, but also at the same time very concerning because, I mean, this then ties not just into marketing of a product, but into fake news. All you have to do is get the ball rolling. Once certain people perceive something as reality, they then start echoing it. Other people see that people are sheep. Not all, but people see the numbers, the number of people supporting a thing, and they go, oh, well, that must be right. And at the end of the day, this thing that Payless did, it's really just kind of marketing 101, but it's it's in this format, it, it is fascinating to watch. And then in viewer requested slash entertainment news, let's talk about Logan Paul and CM Punk in the news. And this has been a thing that has been discussed since that whole KSI Logan Paul pay-per-view fight thing happened. There's a lot of talk about Logan Paul fighting in the UFC, yes, no, 
Dana White kind of shit on it. Logan Paul also expressed interest in this. There was also a lot of talk about who he would fight. People were bringing up Sage Northcutt's name. He even said that he would be interested. CM Punk's name was also mentioned, although that was, that was, that seemingly was brought up not initially because they should fight. But when Dana White and others said, you know, Logan Paul has no place in the UFC, people would say, well, you allowed CM Punk in and it was embarrassing both times he fought. People like Brendan Schaub, who of course fought in the UFC, saying essentially like, why not? You also have people like Joe Rogan, who of course calls fights for the UFC, is heavily involved with MMA, has been pretty much his entire life arguing. CM Punk, that whole thing was, everybody's like, I could do it. You know, you watch CM Punk, you're like, fuck, I'll fucking fight. Yeah. He's a real good guy, but he doesn't have what I would call talent. And so there had been a lot of talk about this, and then this week we finally heard from CM Punk. CM Punk was asked about this and he said, quote, I'm not fighting Logan Paul. I think this is one of the avenues where people will be like, I don't even know who Logan Paul is. Logan Paul is apparently a popular guy, but it's not in any kind of avenue that I drive my car on. The only thing I know about him is he's the guy who filmed the dead body in the Japanese suicide forest, which is, don't get me started on that because I'll say a bunch of stuff and then I'm sure somebody will make a YouTube video about it. Hi. Then going on to say, when you fight somebody, when you enter into a fight camp, you have to spend a lot of time thinking about that person. Maybe some guys don't. Maybe some guys focus on themselves. But you still have this person in front of you. And I'm not into sharing that much of my time and my headspace and my life with somebody that did something that I feel is so reprehensibly disrespectful to the people of Japan who I love. They'll always have a special place in my heart, so no, I'm not fighting him. I have no interest to. And as far as Logan Paul's response to that, he tweeted out, of course he won't. That's really it. And as far as my personal takeaway, one, do I think that this fight will happen? Probably not. And there are several reasons, the first being weight classes. CM Punk is slash was in the welterweight division, so you're talking about 170 pounds. I don't even know if Logan Paul could get down to that, and it probably wouldn't be in CM Punk's best interest to try and go up. Also based off of what happened to CM Punk in the past, thanks to Mickey Gall, I wouldn't recommend he fight anyone that knows how to wrestle. And two, no matter what, Logan Paul would get something beneficial out of the situation, whereas for CM Punk, it's kind of a lose-lose. He would be seen as someone that has devastating losses, he has an 0-2 record, and then he's fighting this guy that's not even in the UFC. And so if he wins, people would be like, oh, well that's just a clown show, and if he loses, I mean, that would be devastating to him and his image. I mean, I think that's really one of the things to consider with kind of like the challenges that were going out to people that were in the UFC, kind of parallel to the UFC. But I'm saying I only think that this specific match might not happen. I, I really do think that there is an opportunity in the future for there to be some sort of ridiculous crossover. We'll have to wait and see. And then let's talk about the 13 people we saw charged this week in connection to a number of burglaries here in LA. And according to the reported criminal complaint, the men were charged with 33 felony counts, including criminal street gang conspiracy, first degree residential burglary, first degree residential robbery, first degree burglary, person present, home invasion robbery, second degree commercial burglary, and finally elder or dependent adult abuse infliction of injury. And those charges also reportedly included gang and gun allegations. <sighs> and the reason this became a story wasn't just because they were robbing places, it was who they were robbing. According to Lillian Carranza, the captain of the LAPD's commercial crimes division, at first we were under the impression these burglaries were being done at random. Come to find out, to our surprise, they were very well planned out and they had stalked the location. And the people's houses they allegedly robbed, you had people like Nicki Minaj's house, you had Rihanna, you had Puig, and they didn't even just hit Puig once. Reportedly his home was burglarized four times, two of which happened in the same month. Also, and, and this is kind of a weird, crazy part to the story, reportedly according to police, one of the houses these guys allegedly hit, they left a wish list of other celebrities that they planned to target, this including Viola Davis and Matt Damon. And police believe that these alleged burglars were able to get away with it, they were able to schedule and time these things out thanks to social media. Right, just by going to social media, whether the 
person themselves was posting or they could just see if someone had a show or a game or whatever and they were away and then they could just hit the house. Which is actually one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this requested story because while we're talking about celebrities, I, I think it's important that we care about what we're putting out there. And I mean, this is one of those things that I'm constantly thinking about, but I think I think it's important for everyone. Because we're very much part of a share, 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 share everything generation and society. We're constantly letting the, the entire world know when things we care about are vulnerable. I mean, obviously that's an incredibly cynical way to look at the world, but it's also accurate. And for these celebrities, obviously, you know, different levels. Sometimes they have every now and then patrols. Sometimes they have security on site. But for the everyday people out there, aside from not posting your everywhere about every five minutes, there are things that you can do, which is probably also very important. We're coming around holiday season. Maybe you're going home or the family's going this way. There are little things you can do like asking for a mail hold or letting a neighbor know that you're out of town, a neighbor you trust, but letting them know you're going to be out of town so someone can pick up your mail so it's not piling up, you know, the newspapers in the morning. Also, and they're not a sponsor, but you can do little things like Philips Hue or any of those smart lights. You can set up a light or lights to turn on and off at certain times so it seems like someone's home if someone's just kind of scoping out your house. Also, if you have the money, obviously an alarm system always helps. And what I've seen is often people just get one kind of sensor. Like some places that have an alarm and it seems safe, they just have a sensor for, you know, if a window opens or a door opens. But mixing those sensors with things like glass break sensors as well as a motion detector, that's incredibly helpful. Camera system always helps. Or you can just do what I did in college and that is not have anything valuable in your house because you can't afford it. That seemed to be a pretty big deterrent. But main point, I think just some things to keep in mind. Then in quickie bad slash your information is never truly safe news, we had Marriott International today announce that they reportedly identified a data breach in its Starwood reservation system that may have exposed the personal information of up to 500 million guests. And for roughly two thirds of them, the unauthorized party would have access to names, addresses, phone numbers, email addresses, passport numbers, and travel details. Also adding that while credit card numbers are supposed to be encrypted, they, they can't completely rule that out yet. As far as the timeline here, they said they learned of a potential breach on September 8th. And upon looking into it, they said they found out that they had been compromised since 2014. And according to the report, one of the worst pieces of information that they know was compromised were those passport numbers. Aviva Lighton, who is a senior analyst with Gardner Inc., said passport numbers are often used to confirm a guest's identity at check-in and they are coveted by criminals. Saying it's a standard identity document that's used globally for identity verification. And if you're signing up for a new loan, if you're renting a car in a foreign country, if you're opening a bank account, you always have to present identity documents. But I think the main thing I want to hit on is this, this is why I say, you know, no matter what we do, we're always going to be vulnerable. There's no such thing as a completely safe system. I think that we can, you know, limit our areas of vulnerability, but ultimately you can't control the world. And I feel like there are so many stories like this. I One of my favorite things about this story was a comment on an article from the Wall Street Journal that wrote, at this point, I might as well sell my identity myself. The end result will be the same, but at least I would get something out of the deal. But main point, if you have stayed at one of their properties from September 10th or before, Marriott has launched a dedicated site around this breach. Also saying they're offering customers a fraud monitoring service for free for a year. But also something that I would add here is that if you're worried about this, also be very careful about any emails you're going to receive very, I mean, in general, but also very soon. Something you often see after something like this is other phishing attempts that are posing as a way to help you through this situation, Papa. And then let's talk about easily the most disturbing story that was requested this week, and it's the story that comes from the English town of Rothera. And the story revolves around Arshid Hussein, who was one of the men jailed in 2016 after being convicted of 23 child sex offenses. Sex offenses that were reportedly carried out through a Rotherham grooming gang. And child exploitation has been a huge issue that plagued the English town of Rotherham for years. In fact, a 2014 report found that hundreds of children had been systematically raped, beaten, and sex trafficked in Rotherham for more than 12 years. And social counselors reportedly saw evidence of sexual exploitation early on, but turned a blind eye. And Hussein, who was known as Mad Ash around Rotherham, was the ringleader and one of the three brothers behind the grooming and sexual abuse of more than 50 girls. And he was sentenced to 35 years in prison for his crimes. But obviously that is not the end 
of this story. One of Hussein's many victims was a woman by the name of Sammy Woodhouse. She reportedly met him at the age of 14 and became pregnant after he raped her when she was 15. And according to the Times, Hussein has now been given a chance to see her child. The report said that the Rotherham Council contacted Hussein in prison to tell him he could request visits from Woodhouse's son. And reportedly this issue arose when the council sought alternative care for the boy. And as far as the idea behind alternative care, this is something that Woodhouse actually supported. This because she said she was unable to cope with the troubled child's complex needs. So she agreed her child could actually get greater protection in a residential placement. But here's the thing, by law, then local authorities were obligated to contact all respondents, this including people with, quote, parental responsibility. And according to the paper, Hussein was listed as a respondent even though he didn't have any parental responsibility, and he's not even listed as the boy's father on his birth certificate. But still, according to the report, Woodhouse was told during a court hearing that her abuser was consulted on the case and that he would be allowed to attend court and seek legal representation. And on top of all of that, he reportedly was also told he could be authorized visitation rights or her son could be placed in the custody of his relatives. And before moving forward, I do want to talk a little bit more about Sammy Woodhouse. She's now 33, but also a big thing of note is she played a key role in the investigation into child sex abuse in her community. And this investigation is the thing that led to a number of arrests and lengthy jail sentences. And she's someone who has previously waived her right to anonymity so she could speak publicly about this. To speak about the abuse that she suffered at the hands of the gang and now speaking widely about child exploitation. And in a video posted on Twitter Tuesday, she talked about the Times article saying, This story is actually about myself, about my son, and about the man that raped me and the fact that Rotherham Council have offered him to apply for parental rights over my child, even though proving in a court of law that he was sentenced to 35 years, that he was a danger to myself and to other children. I've also been able to prove that it's a direct harm towards my son. And Sammy says that her case is not unique because women all across the country are being forced to meet their attackers to share access to their children. And telling the Times, the council knew what he did to me and to other vulnerable girls. They knew he was behind bars and a risk to my son who wanted nothing to do with him, but they bent over backwards to include him in the case. I felt angry and scared for my son. But to that point, barrister Lucy Reed says that Rotherham Council's actions were, quote, entirely standard when it notified Hussein. And in a blog post, she pointed out that the law states it is, quote, mandatory for a local authority applying for care orders to formally notify a father of the existence of proceedings. Which is also why we are seeing people call for a change to the law. Although Hussein never made an application to see the child, Woodhouse says a law change would help protect other victims around Britain. And to that point, Woodhouse said her son is supporting her and has given her permission to speak out. And going even further, Woodhouse and her MP, Louise Hay, are calling for a change in the law. Hay, who is the shadow policing and crime minister, said that the court's decision to offer a serial rapist a role in the proceedings was, quote, appallingly insensitive. And tweeting, this situation is so utterly unacceptable. Too often we see the rights of victims being super seated by the rights of their rapists. This has to end. And we also saw her go on to talk about how often governments fail their victims. The fact that these are women that were abused and systematically groomed and exploited as children that have been failed over and over again by the system, failed by local authorities, by the police, by CPS, and are now being failed yet again by the system is thoroughly intolerable. The law as it currently stands allows a convicted rapist at any time to click his fingers and drag his victim and their child through the family courts and traumatize them all over again. And among others, we've seen support from the likes of Baroness Helen Newlove, who is the Victims Commissioner for England and Wales. And while once again, a Rotherham Council spokesperson defended the decision, saying like all councils, we must comply with legal requirements. We also saw the Ministry of Justice say in a statement, the relevant departments and local authority will work urgently to understand and address the failings in this case. And adding local authorities can apply to courts to request permission not to notify
by parents without parental responsibility about care proceedings. And courts should consider the potential harm to the child and mother when making this decision. And as far as my response to this, unsurprisingly, I'm horrified and blown away by this story. The fact that it's even gotten to this point where we need to talk about it is a failing. In my opinion, the only thing Hussein should have a right to is a baseball bat to the face. And the fact that different parts of the system in place are giving us different answers, who knows what the hell's actually happening? If the Ministry of Justice is correct that local authorities didn't have to do this, but they were not knowledgeable enough to protect a victim of rape and her child. That's appalling and those people should be removed and replaced. But yeah, that's where I'm gonna leave this one and I'd love to hear your comments down below. And that's actually where I'm going to end today's show. And if you're one of the three people still watching the video, make sure to hit that like button, show that love. If you're new here, also you want more of these videos during the week, hit that subscribe button. Which actually on that note, if you missed yesterday's Philip DeFranco show, you wanna catch up, you can click or tap right there to watch that. Or maybe you need something lighter to see the good stories in the world, you can click or tap right there to watch Feel Good Friday. But with that said, of course, as always, my name's Philip DeFranco, you've just been filled in. I love yo faces and I'll see you Monday.